Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Jake from State Farm here, hanging out with Mel's Mow and Grow. Mel chose State Farm for small business insurance because his local agent is a small business owner, too. So she knew how to help him personalize his policies. And now he's rolling in the green. Like a like a good neighbor. Guys, I'm trying to do the line. Oh, sorry, Jake. It's all good. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick, recording on a Monday afternoon, just before uh, Blockbuster Bengals Jags game kicks off on Monday Night Football. Today, we're going to talk about uh, some injuries out of the weekend. We'll talk stock up, stock down with the Packers and the Chiefs. Uh, and then we will close out by talking about the most valuable player. Uh, Drew, let's start with some key injuries a lot that happened on the Steelers side of the ball, TJ Watt is a really strange one where he was writhing in agony on yeah. the sideline uh, and he was hobbling, need help to hobble to the blue tent. Looked like a serious injury. And then Mike Tolman said, uh, yeah, good to go Thursday. Uh, no restraints. <laughs> sure week, like, no problem. Won't be, won't be on the injury <laughs> report. Uh, nothing will hold him back at all. So yeah. apparently TJ Watt's fine. I don't know what happened to his foot or his ankle. Uh, but the big one then is Kenny Pickett, yeah. who left with an ankle injury as well. He wasn't so lucky. He's going to undergo surgery. He'll miss two to four weeks, and it's now the Mitch Trubisky show. What kind of a drop-off do you think uh, it is from Pickett to Trubisky as it pertains to the line? This is the third time we're having to answer this question this season, Jay, and we haven't actually ever gotten the chance to really get the answer right because the first time it was Kenny Pickett called his own number and played through an injury that he shouldn't have, but he won anyway. The second time was he called his own number and played through a different injury. This time, no such luck. It is absolutely the Mitch Trubisky show, and uh, while at other times we've answered this question on this show, I have thought it is a neutral to a potential upgrade because any kind of limited Kenny Pickett was, you know, you know, playing through injury is, is not somebody you really want to go to war with. Uh, you know, Trubisky, I think, is probably a neutral to very, very small downgrade just because of all of the reps that um, Pickett has gotten with this offense. And, um, <clears throat> you know, the most consequential play of that Steelers loss to the Cardinals was Mitch Trubisky uh, fumbling the snap when he was in shotgun. That comes from not having a lot of reps with the center. Uh, and maybe the center, like the ball was wet and he got a, it was a bad snap. It was a little low, um, but, you know, still a play that I think with more familiarity, with more reps, uh, you know, is your, your quarterback is less likely to fumble that ball. Um, you know, the Trubisky was not all that impressive against the Cardinals. Uh, he had one kind of garbage time drive that led to a touchdown. Uh, otherwise was, you know, didn't really impress me all that much. And, you know, he does add a layer of mobility that I think a lot of people kind of forget about. He's uh, relatively fast. And, um, you know, the book is out on him, though, that he only throws to one side of the field. Uh, so I would expect that, uh, 
um, you know, assuming that Bill Belichick is trying to win, that uh, that will be baked into the game plan in terms of how they distribute their uh, talent in the secondary and how they are shading their safeties. Um, the Deontay Johnson side of the field is going to have a lot of uh, attention, I would expect, on uh, Thursday night. Um, so, yeah. I think that all kind of stews to expecting relative, you know, um, lack of success from the Steelers offense, which has been their calling card all season. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is a tough, uh, tough handicap because we are looking at a total that is now sitting at 30. And, <laughs> and if you were like, wow, what's the weather going to be like? Is it going to be like worse than yesterday where they had two lengthy low weather delays? maybe it's not going to be that bad though. This is just the lack of, uh, you know, any type of expectation of either of these offenses, uh, creating much in terms of, uh, points. Um, Bailey Zappi was horrific by the way, for the Patriots yesterday. Oh my God. The advanced numbers basically tell you he is not a uh, professional football player. Um, and, uh, I would expect that, uh, they may even go back to Mac Jones at this point, even though it's a short week and uh, it's, but just all kinds of questions swirling about what exactly, they're trying to do in New England right now, um, but the fact that they're on uh, on prime time, I think, is going to ultimately dictate uh, you know trying to be somewhat more respectable in terms of offense than what we saw on Sunday, where they were held scoreless by the Chargers, who were making it a uh, you know making easy work of lots of offenses getting to thirty this year. So uh, weird situation all around, and I guess uh, I think six is probably a market giving you a big fat eh. We don't really care who the quarterback for Pittsburgh is. Yeah, no, I think that is fair. Uh, maybe we see some Malik Cunningham, some Will Greer. He's still on the team. He's been kind of on and off the team. Uh, I think that, I mean, it's been a strange 24 hours in the Defensive Player of the Year market where TJ Watt, I, mean, I thought he's done. I thought he was out long term. <laughs> that's just him done. And now all of a sudden, he's 100% fine and he gets to go at uh, Bailey Zappi. Uh, in prime time and may just rack up two and a half sacks and be favorite for defensive player in the year on Friday morning. Uh, with the Patriots, the one thing is their defense has been better of late. I mean, it's been excellent the past three games. Now, they haven't played much, but they did keep Justin Herbert to six points, uh, but there's just, there's absolutely nothing uh, on the offense. And so I think with Pickett to Trubisky, it's probably worth the point uh, just because Pickett... Okay. He did look really solid uh, in the first game of the non-Matt Canada era. And as much as I think the scoreline painted a different story of how that Steelers-Cardinals game unfolded, where, I mean, the scoreline and just the box what makes it look like just a complete disgrace from the Steelers. And it was bad, but it wasn't quite as bad as the score. I mean, they just got... Uh, all the stuff that you point to as flukish in an NFL game, it all went against the Steelers. Like yeah. fumble luck, uh, random teams on special plays, all the third down plays, fourth, like yeah. it just all went against the Steelers. And so when you look at how the two teams actually move the ball, the Steelers move the ball better than the Cardinals. It's just the flukishness just devoured them. Uh, they were stopped on fourth and one at the one early in the game. And that really, you know, that really set the rhythm. So, yeah, yeah Steelers, Patriots. Uh, looking forward. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, uh, that stop at the goal line would have made it 10 yeah. 3, uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. And that would have reflected the yardage gained at that point. And yep. then the Cardinals turning around and marching 99 yards and scoring the touchdown. That was kind of the game. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, otherwise I, I agree with all, all your points. And, um, I think the people who have been screaming about Tomlin voodoo for three months, like 
this is the other side of the coin. Yeah. <laughs> you can't catch the breaks all the time. Uh, eventually, the ball will bounce against you. And that happened against Cleveland. It happened against Cincy. They ended up winning against Cincy anyway, and it happened against uh, Arizona. So three games yeah. in a row where the voodoo has just been, uh, been against uh, the great Mike Tomlin. Yep, indeed. The voodoo is, voodoo is also against uh, Derek Carr. I feel like Derek Carr has been injured in like 40% of his games this season, and he took a big hit against the Lions. He has a back injury, a shoulder injury, and a concussion. Uh, and now they're playing the Carolina Panthers. Jameis Winston came into the game uh, against the Lions, and it was very much the full Jameis experience, much like it was when he came in against the Vikings, where, uh, I mean, he can he can move the ball down the field, but he also has just completely mind-numbing plays. Uh, he has to be just about the highest variance quarterback on a play-to-play basis when you consider that his average depth of target, I think, uh, historically has been the deepest in the NFL, <laughs> and so is his turnover rate just about. So is the definition of boom or bust. Uh, how do you think this affects them against the Panthers if we presume that Carr is going to be out? And just in general, what do you think of Carr versus Jameis? Yeah, wild uh, shift in how you model the offense. <clears throat> and I think you said it right. Like, um so much of watching Derek Carr for the Saints this year, aside of trying to figure out if he was healthy or not, has been frustration because he continues to tack into the safe, the underneath stuff, the you know the relatively uh, you know uh, you know lack of uh, just a, a, a DNA that is lacks explosiveness. And when you square that with when healthy, the Saints having Chris Olave and Shahid uh, and uh, just speed that can really, really hurt you downfield. And you combine that with the lack of aggressiveness of Carr, it was maddening. And it took until they were in super negative game states for them to really, you know, kind of unleash uh, the full power of that offense. It was, you know, and and, uh, and now with the injuries to the wide receiving core, albeit Chris Olave played, there's maybe more explosiveness expected with Winston. Um, but you're right. That's going to come with more turnovers um, because I don't think it was necessarily an entirely schematic thing. I think a lot of it was just Carr's decision-making and Carr electing to go to the dump off to Alvin Kamara instead of attacking down the field. So, um, yeah, I mean, Jameis Winston with a full week of reps, probably a little bit better than a guy that's inserted into the game without a lot to, you know, that is being asked of him. Um, I will note, though, that his, uh, the one uh, third-down conversion in the red zone that closed the gap to... Uh, uh, what was it? Four points or five points? The the one that uh, made it a game um, that uh, was tipped away from being a pick six, and Chris Olave yeah. caught it and then took it to the goal line. That was like, if you want to understand the Jameis Winston experience, it's all there in one play. <laughs> like absolute insanity. Should have been taken the other way for six points. Ultimately, ended up in the hands of Chris uh, Olave for a first down and sets them up for a touchdown. Um, but uh, yeah, ultimately, I would expect that uh, there is a small delta on how you rate the Saints with the move from Carr to Winston going down a bit, but a large delta on the total because now you have much more likelihood of an explosive scoring play combined with uh, more likelihood of uh, an explosive turnover uh, in terms of points. Now the market, 
uh, here. Look ahead was, uh, I believe it was six and it is now, excuse me, six and a half and it is now five. Um, so that is uh, telling you about a point, maybe a point and a half downgrade for the Saints with their injury situation. Um, and I guess for me, I still am scratching my head about what happened with the Saints defense in terms of how you rate these guys because this defense was sort of the one thing you could count on with the Saints that they were going to show up and give you, uh, you know, a decent effort week in, week out. And Last four weeks, it has been bad, 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 and they can't stop the run. Uh, they got absolutely gashed by the uh, Falcons two weeks ago to the tune of 250 yards or something like that. Um, and then Detroit came out, and they were literally like, let's, let's see if you figured out, did you solve your problems? No, 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 no. They just marched it down and you know generated a 21-point lead early in that contest. So there's clearly something going on, either injuries or you know just lack of effectiveness of some of the players uh, in the linebacking level for the Saints that I think is a huge issue. And uh, you know that may open the door here for the Panthers to be competitive. Um, at first glance, I was like, do I really have a stomach to go back to the well with the Panthers? <laughs> it's going to be tough, uh, but with the potential for some turnovers, with the potential for um, you know the Panthers' defense playing a lot better, and uh, and just in general, some of the injuries that I think are impacting the Saints' defense. I think this is now Panthers or pass, even uh, uh, even with the uh, higher ceiling offense that Jameis Winston brings to the table. Yep, no, I agree. JC Horn back as well, which yeah. helped. He didn't play much, but uh, he's still was excellent when he was out there so that certainly helps the panthers defense i mean their pass defense is respectable it's just they can't stop the run mm -hmm. uh, at all one last thing around this team and this injury uh with the saints is that um the market is never great i think at pricing the repercussions of cluster injuries and this is just across all sports um a lot of the time where i think back to when the Warriors played the Raptors uh, in the finals and Durant was out and then Clay Thompson got ruled out as well. And it's like, hold on this. And they was, and the Warriors were still favored over the Raptors. And mm -hmm. it's like, what, what do you mean? There's no, there's no <laughs> players left. <laughs> like it's just yeah. Steph and Draymond. Uh, and then you're just starting like random dudes. Uh, it's like the Marcus Cousins is like the third best player on the team now. But, and it's just the additive effect. It's something similar where, like the Bruins in the offseason, they lost, you know, a ton of key guys. That's like, how much impact does it actually have that ripples on? And with the Saints, so Chris Olave, his receiving prop for a lot of the season has been in like the mid-60s, like 64 and a half, because he's having a bit of a down year. But then Thomas goes down, Rashid Shahid goes down, and then going into the game against Detroit, like there's, there's no one left. Like it's purely Olave, and his receiving prop goes from 64 and a half to 71 and a half. And it's like... Think you should have increased it by like 30 yards not instead of seven and so and i think this becomes again accentuated by the fact that now he's got Jameis, who is a quarterback who i think is much more suited to olave and the type of player that he is where olave's thing is that he has the deepest average depth of target in the league or at least he did for a period uh and that's what Jameis does so i would think that you know this is the type of game where you know betting alternates on olave who's gone for He's gone for 94 plus the past three weeks and he's been at like over 100 the past two. Like this is the type of game where Chris Olave can go for 150 um, much more than your average receiver who's going to be set presumably, I would guess, in the high 70s this week. There'll be a bit of an adjustment. Um, so yeah, whenever there's cluster injury weirdness, there's usually some <laughs> efficiencies to, uh, to pounce on.
Yeah, worth noting, uh, yeah, 52% of the defensive snaps for J.C. Horn last yeah. week. So he's on the comeback. Uh, yeah. Jeremy Chin got 11% of snaps too, so he is also on the comeback. Now, I don't know how effective he is uh, necessarily at this point. Von Bell's still likely out, um, but the um, pass defense for the Panthers is maybe the only thing you can say positive about the entire franchise right now. Um, yep. Azure Evro is a good coordinator, uh, and that's going to be absolutely the most, you know, Olave versus the strength of the Panthers defense is the most uh, outstanding and exciting thing about that game. Yeah. And that is the one thing that holds Olave back a bit this game, just that in terms of the funnel of the Panthers defense, they are, they just can't defend the run whatsoever. And Dennis Allen's a pretty conservative coach. So maybe they do run the ball, but still think there's a fair bit of scope for Olave. Oh, All should right. we look for uh, Taysom Hill alt rushing props? It's probably gonna be a lot of Taysom Hill in this game. Yeah, it's. I mean, he. he kind of, I've always liked. I've always enjoyed Taysom's work. Uh, <laughs> Gives some spark. He's the only thing that's really exciting about the oh. offense. Um, all right, let's get to a more exciting team, the Green Bay Packers. But first, don't miss a Big Ten basketball doubleheader this Tuesday. Drew, first watch Michigan State host Wisconsin. 6.30 p.m. Eastern, then keep the action in the Great Lakes State when Indiana takes on Michigan at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can catch both games only on Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes, this is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. <laughs> oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. All right. Stock up, stock down after week 13. Packers up, Chiefs down. Uh, how good do you think this Packers team is true. How would you compare them, for instance, to uh, the team that's likely going to win their division, the Detroit Lions? Oh, boy. Great question, since we just saw the Packers take them apart on Thanksgiving. Are the Lions um, better than the Packers? No. <laughs> not clearly. Not clearly and obviously, no. Yeah, um, I think it's pretty close. Yeah, they both have... I guess the here's I guess here's here's what I kind of felt watching the Packers last night because uh, I was on the other side I lost that game I, I had Chiefs it was uh, that was a bad call um, and a lot of it felt like um, they're very hard to predict because they themselves are figuring out how they want to play with the pieces that they have right like it is a very very un um, kind of uneasy feeling i believe if you're like counting on a good defense to really stop this unit as they're currently constituted you're not exactly sure what buttons they're going to press when or what motion means what or what you know routes are even actual routes versus just we're just hoping that if you know our pass protection holds up long enough then this guy's going to leak and that's going to be a huge potential play like it's very backyard football um and that makes it fun and that makes it tough to defend 
And most of the offenses in the NFL right now that are succeeding at the highest level are Shanahan type of offenses where and McVeigh type of offenses where every every design has an especially significant you know reason it's being done to create space it's all in structure uh and the for even though lafleur comes from that tree it feels very out of structure overall and that apparently has allowed jordan love to thrive um he looks very very much in control of what he is being asked to do and and what uh uh you know what the situation calls for in the give you know at a given time in the game uh he's improved his ability to perform in first halves substantially from what we saw in the beginning of the year which was in a large ways leading to the packers being at huge deficits and having to fight for their lives in these games now they're playing from ahead all of a sudden and it's a totally different story so you know it, it the packers are probably power rated for me um let me take a look as at at full health effectively um you know this is i'm assuming that there is no long-term issues with christian watson because his game-breaking speed matters for sure for them um i would make the packers uh you know a, a small uh, favorite over the lions on a neutral just on the basis of the lions defense being very very havable um packers defense you can push them around you can be physical with them you can you know still get it done on the ground if you have uh you know if the game state will allow it um, but now that as the Lions and the Chiefs have learned in back-to-back weeks, if your game state forces you to throw your way back into a game, you are throwing into the teeth of the Packers defense. You are literally playing the way they want the you know the the ball to be uh, played in terms of how they've got their defense set up schematically. So um, yeah, I mean Packers with the lead are very dangerous. Uh, I would uh, I would I would definitely kind of expect them to uh, get a playoff spot big question will be is it going to be the six or the seven seed um because a six seed and you're headed to detroit potentially for you know a thanksgiving match a thanksgiving rematch which you know you're gonna be live as a three three and a half point dog uh, you go to san francisco you're drawn dead as an eight and a half point dog so this is this is fascinating to see where they land but uh as of this moment packers clearly in the playoffs in the nfc in my opinion Yep, I agree. I uh, I make the Packers right now a 69% chance to make the playoffs, so they should be in. I think it's impressive as well they're doing this without Jair Alexander, who hasn't played in a month, and it just feels mm-hmm. like every week he's coming back and then he just never comes back. He was practicing last week. Maybe he comes back this week. He is arguably the most important player on their defense, though Sean Gary will have an argument there too. Aaron Jones, who's been their most reliable skill position player uh, for a couple of years now, uh, basically since Devontae Adams left, and he's been out too. Don't know when he is coming back. And I just thought last night was just a a masterclass from LaFleur. And what I love most about it was, so that final drive after they intercept Mahomes uh, at... Uh, the 30, their own 35. And then LaFleur, there's five minutes left. First two series, two passes on first down. And it was just clear that he knew, uh, as opposed to what Kevin O'Connell did at the end of the Minnesota <laughs> Chicago game, yep. he knew that they needed, like, they needed to score points on that drive. Otherwise, they were very likely, um, going to, well, they were a huge chance to lose if they didn't score. And he played as though. They needed to score. Uh, and look, the Packers' schedule to close is insanely easy. It where is. Where they go at Giants, <laughs> home Bucks, yeah. at Panthers, at Vikings, home Bears. And that Bears, like the Bears are much better than I think people uh, acknowledge just with what they've done with their defense. But 
by week 18, that's probably not going to be the same Bears team because they're going to have nothing to play for. And if anything, they'll be incentivized to lose that game. Uh, so Matt LaFleur, coach of the year, we back, back in business? I that, I think it's very reasonable to expect the Packers to win out with that schedule especially. What's the uh, um, the narrowest point spread you're going to have there? At the Vikings, they're going to be like a little probably under three unless the Vikings completely fix the quarterback situation, right? Like they're, like they're probably going to be... Why are the Vikings favored? No, no, I meant Packers favored oh, under three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's going to be the lowest... They'll be favored in all five of these games, in my opinion, but yeah. that'll be the small spread. Um, six and a half. Say, the Vikings are a weird team to price, like Jefferson coming back. I mean, that'll sure. be... I mean, it'll be less than a field goal either way. It's a coin flip game more yeah. or less. And then that Bears game, which at the moment looks like a bit of a banana skin, but by the time we get there, I think the Packers will be pretty decisively favored. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, these other ones, they look kind of like layups. Uh, yeah, Giants, six and a half point favorites this week on the road. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so coach, is Coach is LaFleur back in the discussion? Yes, absolutely. But it's a crowded market. We yes. eliminated Sirianni probably. We eliminated okay. Tomlin. He's done. Yeah. But there's still five guys that could win. Steichen's still in the mix. Ryan's still in the mix. Uh, McDaniel's still in the mix. And the favorite is still Dan Campbell because he does have a path to get to 13 wins, which has never been done in Detroit Lions history. That is an easy reason to vote him number one and to write your column on the final day of the season. Lions win the North. Dan Campbell sets the record, franchise record for wins. He is my coach of the year. Easy, right? Well, he, they could they could come back to the pack. They could lose some games here. They could uh, literally flip uh, the NFC North in favor of the Packers with how weak the schedule is. If the Lions stumble into the close, then Lafleur is very live, but he needs help. Yeah, he does need help. It's not in his control. I don't think. Where I think that if Steichen gets to eleven and six, if Ryan's runs the slate, if Campbell gets to thirteen, probably, then I think they probably all beat him. But uh, it's very doable running the slate, and he doesn't need a ton of help. He needs things that are all likely to happen to just happen. Uh, and they're varying degrees of likely, but for instance, like I make the Lions plus 360 to get the 13 wins. So you need the minus 360 on the under 12 and a half to cash there. And then all of a sudden, I think that Lafleur would beat Campbell uh, at 11 wins against 12 or fewer. Uh, I, I've been bullish on Campbell all season, but. I don't know, man. This team now has, I think everyone thinks they're a fraud, which they are. So no one thinks they're a nine and three thing. They're like a, they're like a different, they're like a version of the Vikings last year where they haven't, like, they're just pulling out these wins that aren't particularly impressive and they're close and they haven't really beaten anyone. They don't have an impressive win all season outside of beating the Chiefs without Kelsey and Mahomes when the Chiefs are dropping every pass. So uh, I don't know. I think Dan Campbell's going to have to win in Dallas in week 17. Their offense was pretty darn impressive against the Chargers, but that might have been the Chargers as much as it was the Lions. (laughs) uh, uh, I will say this. the, uh, The game this weekend is probably the game that flips one way or the other for the Lions getting to 13. You're sure. at Chicago. Yeah. It's a bad weather looking with looking like it's going to be gross weather. 30 mile yeah. an hour winds potentially. Um, Jared Goff with his tiny hands might be not having a great day throwing the football. That said, uh, yeah, if you're on the ground and you're trying to get it done, Bears run defense has been very, very, very good. Uh, yeah. So this is uh, this is this is the test. If you get that win at Chicago, uh, I think that uh, effectively makes Campbell a very, very tough, tough proposition to beat him 
Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they close like their last four games, none of them are gimmies. It's Denver, two games against Minnesota, and then at Dallas. I would say your modal outcome there is definitely two wins and two losses, just because they're going to be, I mean, at this point, what are they going to be like six point dogs in Dallas? Like, yeah, bigger, like, at that point, I mean, I'm, I'm basically counting. Off. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say I'm counting on that to be a loss. Like, the, so there's, yeah, there's your fourth okay. loss, and then there's your fourth loss. Very unlikely. You got to win the other four. Yeah, yeah, which I think is very unlikely. So, okay. um, I think the Campbell's in a bit of trouble. Certainly, you can do it. Plus three sixty to get to thirteen um, plus, which is doable. But you have a, a long term prediction for the Vikings quarterback situation. You know who are going to be handicapping. In? I think it'll be Dobbs back. You think it'll think be Dobbs? He, okay. he, they will want to give him a chance with Jefferson. Uh, and also the fact that he's, like, he's barely been there. Well, he played three games for them, four games, and now he gets the bye week, additional time. I just think he has more talent and more upside uh, than the other guys. And also, his performance against the Bears, like the Bears defense is good. And I think that is coloring people's perceptions a bit because Dobbs was fine against the Broncos and he was great against the Saints and he was fine against the Falcons, so I expect it'll probably be Dobbs again, particularly because the interceptions, not all of them were on him. Uh, there was an interception last night that was on the quarterback, Drew, and that was Patrick Mahomes uh, with that backbreaker with five minutes left. Now the Chiefs are eight and four. If two different, uh, if two bombs to MBS uh, at the end of games had gone differently, this team is very likely 10 and two, but they're eight and four. They're now pretty significant dog to get the one seed in the AFC. Uh, and this offense just doesn't seem like it's ever going to be fixed. So where do you sit on the Chiefs? Do you still think they are, uh, at least by rating, the best team in the AFC? I don't. I'm worried about them. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think the Dolphins should be higher rated than the uh, Chiefs right now because the Dolphins' defense is coming, man. That unit is good. Uh, and the Chiefs' defense is flagging. That unit has problems. Um, I know that... I was very uh, laudatory of the kind of backyard, difficult to defend nature of the um, Packers offense, but um, there was some very clear opportunities for that chief ends to get off the field yesterday, get the ball back into the hand, hands of Mahomes, and they could not do it. And I am nervous about that. Um, they had very decent chance. You've seen the best of the Chiefs defense, and it was earlier this season, and that this is the little bit of a regression coming down the home stretch as they have been asked to do quite a lot of football. Uh, and, oh, by the way, this Chiefs defense is going to be continually at a rest disadvantage for, like, the rest of the season. Basically, every other opponent they play going from here on in is either coming off of a bye, coming off of extra rest. The Packers just were coming off of extra rest from Thursday Night Football. The Bills this week are coming off a bye. That happens to them again and again and again coming down this home stretch here. And if your defense is already tired, if it's already showing cracks, they need Nick Bolton back badly. I don't know that he is absolutely the answer to every one of their problems, but their rush defense has been it's been beatable. Uh, and... You know, secondary is good, but, you know, secondary play is a little bit inconsistent. You can have some outstanding players who, uh, you know, slip at times. So it's to me, at least the defense was sort of the reason to keep the Chiefs at the top of the list because they have Patrick Mahomes. So the like you have the best player in football that matters. And then all of a sudden, this is the best defense he's ever played with. That was kind of the synergy that got them, in my opinion, to be rated the highest in the AFC. And now I'm very much questioning the second half of that. Uh, and the wide receiver, one thing for the Chiefs is, is definitely a problem. 
Um, I, there at, at times looked like they had some uh, interesting solutions to this. They were building some chemistry between Mahomes and Rasheed Rice. I, I don't really understand why uh, it has been so difficult for them to figure that out. I know that the talent that they have does not really constitute wide receiver one in today's NFL. Um, and that may be just the facts of it. Um, you know, if you if if your wide receiver one is actually a wide receiver two or three, and he's going up against the, the CB one on the other side week in week out, he's never going to really have opportunities to create space, get open. And Mahomes is a smart enough quarterback that he's not going to throw into you know uh, you know tight coverage. He's literally, I think, a lot of times waiting for something to open up waiting to try to make some magic i don't know why he was so hesitant to run last night it felt like there was a lot of opportunity uh to take five ten yards at a clip if he wanted it on the ground and he was relatively hesitant to do that the pass protection i thought held up fairly well against a very 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 live unit in the uh uh front four for the uh for the packers but um ultimately it was uh, a pretty disappointing game from the chiefs not only because they lose but you know losing as a six-point favorites like that's a that's a bad sign and, um, you know, the the two-point conversion to start the uh, second half was maybe really where I want to kind of really try to figure out what was going on there. It's just an absolute dud of a run play to Isaiah Pacheco at the two-yard line. You're like... I, I, you're not beating them that you're not beat you're not out physical them to the point where that's going to absolutely work I, I didn't really understand why that was the play why was that was the plan um and uh yeah maybe just a little bit of a lack of um you know kind of understanding the 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 danger they were in in that game at that time uh to run that play um but uh yeah the drops the bad you know the the missed pass interference like th- those are all you know, part of the story as well. But, uh, you know, it was it was strange to see them using Rasheed Rice in a way that he had eight catches for only uh, 64 yards. Like, he's kind of, I didn't really think he was their possession guy, and that's how they were treating him. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a strange game plan from start to finish, and uh, uh, I don't know that you can count on the Chiefs to, you know, kind of have too many of those in a given season. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a little bit of a warning sign going on with these guys right now. Are you, are you like still very much don't panic? Like <laughs> Pat Mahomes will come to save the day. Cause this has whiffs of like 2006 Patriots kind of vibes to me. You remember that yeah. unit with Tom Brady was throwing it to like Rashid Caldwell uh, <laughs> and like yeah. David Patton. And you were yeah. like, and it was literally like, why are we doing this to one of the best quarterbacks in the game? Uh, and then the next year they brought in Wes Welker and Randy Moss and the rest is history. But uh, yeah, it's, it, it, that's kind of the whiff of this, uh, uh, of this Chiefs offense right now. And it's not pretty. Hey, Rashid Caldwell got them to up 21-3 <laughs> in the AFC title game in that's Indianapolis. True. And that's true. Fair, they then uh, completely melted and lost the game from there. But uh, no, I I still think the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC, but I wouldn't have them ahead of Miami or Baltimore or even really Buffalo, honestly. Yeah, by, I would uh, Buffalo, yeah. Yeah, I think those four are relatively close together. I think that the couple of issues, and it's a weird thing to think about like why is this offense so much worse than last year why are the weapons so much worse because it's really in terms of the weapons it's mainly juju out and Rasheed rice in and Rasheed rice is probably better than juju most people would say particularly when you look at what uh, juju has looked like this year but i think it's a couple things one i don't think Rasheed rice is a great route runner i think that's why they're using him as more of a possession guy i don't think he's the timing with Mahomes. Like, if he was open on his routes, Mahomes would be throwing it to him, but he doesn't seem to be uh, outside of the more gadgety stuff that they do. And I think the answer for why it's worse is that just 
everyone has gotten a little bit worse. Kelsey is not the same guy as he was last year. MVS has gotten worse. They got a lot out of Jarek McKinnon in the second half of last year, and he's just been a non-factor this season. Like, Mikkel Hartman was a deep threat for them, and he hasn't really been... I mean, he's back on the team now, but they've kind of lacked for that. Justin Watson is just very uninspiring. Oh, yeah. They haven't completed... Mahomes hasn't completed the 40-yard pass in six weeks. Like, that is completely <laughs> insane and such an indictment on the team that they haven't been able to do that. Uh, and obviously, if, if MVS makes that catch that he should have against Philadelphia, that is different. But, I mean, that's the problem. And I think the offense is still going to be top 10 because it's still Mahomes. Uh, it's still a solid offensive line that the tackles aren't great. Uh, so I think the offense will be okay. I just think I think the defense is a little overrated and inflated because, yeah. like, everyone is treating Legereus Sneed like he's the second coming of Darrell Rebus. Like, <laughs> sure, like, I think Traverius Ward, the guy who ostensibly Sneed replaced, I think Traverius Ward's a lot better than Legereus Sneed. Sneed gambles a ton. Uh, he gets burned. Uh, and I think PFF have him outside the top 80 cornerbacks in the league. I wouldn't quite go that far, but I don't think he is an elite corner. I think McDuffie's the superior corner on that team. I agree. Uh, so I don't know. It's just a lot of things adding up for the Chiefs. I'm sure that they will be fine enough, and they're going to be in the mix, and if I had to bet my life on one team to win the AFC, I think it would still be Kansas City, but uh, they're probably going to have to do it now from outside of the one seed. Uh, which obviously is, uh, we'll get to see Patrick Mahomes on the road, potentially in a playoff game for the first time ever. At long last. Let's uh, get to an award that Patrick Mahomes was probably expected to feature Uh, more. He had one road playoff game and he lost. It was against the Tampa Bay in Tampa Uh, in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I actually, I thought Mahomes played well in that Super Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. He yeah. could, could do absolutely nothing with his offensive line. Anyway, this Sunday night, it's a huge matchup. Drew, between MVP candidates, uh, Super Bowl contenders, when Jalen Hurts and the Eagles travel to Dallas for a battle with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? In Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. I gotta say, Drew, I'm excited for that game to be over. Mm-hmm. It's been a month of jeering <laughs> for the Philadelphia Eagles, and this is now our well, day five. It'll be day five of cheering against this team. And I've had three aftermaths of uh just kind of sickness and discontent, and uh yeah. one absolutely joyous uh evening provided uh yeah. by the love of my life, Brock Purdy. 
Uh, we got to talk to uh, we got to talk to the um, the staff that's writing the uh, promos because this is uh, this is a battle for the runner up at the MVP race, right? That's correct. Yeah, and that's a, <laughs> a good way to jump in. Who's going to be uh, second best here? Yeah. So basically, in the market now, we have a tier one, which is three guys, two of them in this game or that game: Prescott, Hertz, and Purdy, uh, all in the really all hovering around but the plus two fifty to plus four hundred type of range. And then you have a drop off to Mahomes, Lamar, and Tua. Tua is not winning MVP. Tua is zero percent to win MVP for me. Just about maybe one percent. I think Tyreek Hill is their candidate uh, at this point, and he is the sixth guy. And I would say that Hertz, Prescott, Purdy, Mahomes, uh, Lamar, Tyreek. I think those are the only six guys who can win MVP at this point. So just odds agnostic who do you think is most likely to win mvp brock purdy agreed <clears throat> uh why do you think purdy's the most likely because <laughs> i think uh i think the path is pretty clear for now for the niners to get the one seed um and it does depend on dallas beating the eagles which would ostensibly buoy Dak's case um but then I really, you know, you want to talk about a stinker of a schedule spot. Playing the Eagles, not even taking control of your division with the win, and then turning around and having to face the Bills the following week is absolute nightmare for this Cowboy squad. And I honestly think that's not even where it ends. Like, the Cowboys still have two extremely tough tests. The You know, we, we were joking, who's the best team in, in the AFC? It's probably the Dolphins because their defense is coming up. But for me right now, number two, I would give serious consideration to the Bills. And in fact, yeah. if you're betting the Bills this week against the Chiefs, you're basically saying the same thing. Because the line is short-ish because of the rest advantage for the Bills. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, all, they're catching two and a half in, you know, in Arrowhead, which is basically t- telling you that these teams are roughly the, the you know equivalent um and you know the cowboys are going to have to come off of this super emotional like high leverage game for themselves and then get back up for that bills game and that looks like trouble and then the dolphins game looks like trouble so it's it to me at least those two back-to-back roadies after this philadelphia game um are you know are huge 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 um opportunities for dak to take himself out of the race. Uh, And uh, yes, I know we're talking about the Bills defense that has lost all their important pieces. And yes, I know we're talking about, you know, the Dolphins who, you know, criminally underwhelm us in the month of December. But uh, it's still, uh, you know, definitely more opportunity for him to work himself out of the race than Purdy, who at this point, like he takes care of business against Seattle this week and just gets a win and continues to play mistake-free football, which is now his calling card. I don't think anyone's catching him in the EPA race. I don't think anyone's catching the Niners in the one seed race. And just the momentum right now that the Niners have in the market as being perceived as the best team is going to help carry him um, because they're not the best team because of Shanahan. They're not the best team because of the skill position groups. They're the best team because he makes it all work. And, uh, you know, I think that's where people are going to ultimately just throw their hands up. And, yep, this is it is what it is. I I was looking at his candidacy as sort of the um, Matt Ryan mold, you know, like he gets the two seed but his numbers are so just so impressively good that he you know beats out every other quarterback um but now it's looking more like this might just be a a no duh kind of year where he is clearly the best player on the best team and that's that and um yeah so purdy for me yep the way i would uh frame this market is that 
I think the MVP ball is on Dak Prescott's racket. Where I've, if I, I think that if Dak okay. wins out, he will win MVP, but he's extremely unlikely to win out. Uh, yeah. I make it uh, 11 to 1 that Dak Prescott wins out. Now, he doesn't have to win out to an MVP, but here's the thing, and here's the problem, and this has always been the problem with Dak's candidacy ever since he lost to the Eagles the first time, is that the moment he slips, he falls all the way into hell, and hell is called the five seed. And five seeds yeah. just do not win this award. And to me, in terms of merit, wouldn't affect my vote at all, but this is how voters process these. They vote for top two seeds. The past 10 years, the MVP has been on a top two seed. And Dak, because of the tiebreak situation with the Eagles and the fact that the Cowboys lost this stupid conference game to the Cardinals, uh, it's going to screw them. And the Eagles' stupid loss was to the Jets out of conference, and that's going to be a tiebreak that ends up deciding this most likely, unless Amazing. the Eagles... Uh, slip up multiple times, not just lose to Dallas, but lose to Seattle as well. And then they're probably going to have to lose to one of the Giants or Cardinals for the Cowboys to go past them. So he is right up against it to win the division. Uh, and if he doesn't, I think Purdy now, his statistical case, the fact that he absolutely ruined the Cowboys and Eagles in the head-to-head matchups, I think Purdy, if he runs the slate, even if it doesn't get him the one seed, say he's a 14-3 and three, uh, two seed against Hertz as a 15 and two one seed, and Purdy completely laps him statistically. And your one seed in the AFC is either going to be Miami, which has a wide receiver as its candidate, Mahomes, if he can get there at 13 to four with meh numbers, Lamar Jackson, who can get there but have even more meh numbers. Oh. I think that Purdy, so long as if he runs the slate and I make him not much bigger than plus 200 to run the slate, <laughs> I think he's just going to win. Uh, I think all he needs is plus 200, run the slate, Dak Prescott have one more loss and slip to the five seed. And I think I think Purdy will win. I do think Dirt is being poured on Jalen Hurts a little prematurely. Sure. Because he if he beats Dak and they're, you know, they're three and a half point dogs, it's very, very doable that he can beat Dak on Sunday night. One completely kills Dak Prescott. Prescott's done if he loses that game. Yeah. And so you've killed, you know, a top two favorite off. And then Hurts, all of a sudden, you know, the all of the stuff that everyone's talking about after the Buffalo game comes back if he plays well. And then I think it's Hurts v. Purdy at that point. Uh, and that'd be close. It's a strange one because I think that Hurts beating Dak probably helps Purdy, weirdly, just because it, it destroys the more frightening candidate because I think yep. Prescott has a better case than Hurts. Uh, and it really narrows the race, I think, probably to those two. The wild card I would throw in there is that Lamar Jackson, whose numbers are not good and he doesn't deserve to win, I don't think. <laughs> but if he balls out against this tough schedule the rest of the way and he goes uh, into San Francisco Monday Night Football Week 16, beats the Niners, comes home Week 17, beats the Dolphins, gets the one seed, I'm telling you, it will be, when you're projecting vibes in this award, it is going to be a storm of Lamar MVP chat if he just wins those two games back-to-back, which is only like, I don't know, it's going to be like plus 325 or something in that range yeah. to sweep that because the second game is at home. Uh, so I would not rule out Lamar, even though I don't think he's deserving. He doesn't have the numbers, but uh, everyone wants to vote for him. He is the fa- He's the entire offense. He has narrative now with Mark Andrews gone. And if Lamar Jackson is the one seed, having just gone into San Francisco, the acknowledged best team in football and beaten them, Mm-hmm. He's going to have so much momentum at that point that I think he can still win. Hmm. Uh, but last one, uh, what do you think of Tyreek Hill? Do you think Tyreek Hill can win MVP? I don't think so. 
I don't think we're in a world where even with a record-breaking season, a wide receiver is getting realistic consideration. Running backs, when they were scoring, you know, breaking all-time touchdown records as a running back, and the quarterbacks in the NFL broadly were kind of meh. Um, you know, like there was a case, I think, uh, the Adrian Peterson 2,000-year season after off of an ACL repair, like that was unique. Um, I don't think Tyree Kill is gendering that type of acclaim for what he's done so far this season. And uh, not that it's it's not fair, but like literally people are inventing advanced statistics, Jay, that penalize him for being too fast. He's making it look too easy, Jay. Uh, and that's, I mean, it, like it's weird that there is a mental hang up with that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's somehow handicapping him that he is doing it too easily here so um i think the dolphins are an interesting conversation in a lot of respects because i really am fascinated to see how the rest of the season and the playoff run plays out for them um but uh yeah i think tyree kill as your offensive player of the year is looking very very good over mccaffrey I'm not sure why that market was ever pick them last week did you know that was a pick them last week how did yeah, we not or, get to that why did you call it? <laughs> how did we not i can't believe we didn't cover that because i was i just completely lost track i figured he was running away with that market and sure enough but it was pick last week. he's minus 200 <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah greatest make, season of all time at the position sure um, yeah i think with tyreek i agree i think the thing that's going to kill him is the way they change the balloting because if it was just the first place vote I could see him getting the, you know, maybe he could win with 22 out of 50 votes in a little bit of a fractured field and win that way. But there are too many people who are just going to be like, it's quarterback is by far the most valuable position in football. Uh, if the Chiefs, you know, if the Chiefs lose Patrick Mahomes, the spread is going to move like eight, nine points. Uh, whereas uh, if the Dolphins lose Tyreek Hill, it's just not quite the same thing. And I think that a lot of people are going to have him third, fourth, fifth off ballot entirely. And I think that is probably going to sink him. And I think that his bigger problem too is that he could have won. I think he could have won in a weak field. I think Dak and Purdy are too good now statistically for him yeah. to beat both of them. He needs both of those guys to fall over. He needs Hurts to be like a 14 and three one seed with 15 interceptions and pretty average numbers. And then he obviously needs to get the one seed himself. I yeah. think he can beat everyone in the AFC because all the quarterbacks are so inspiring. I think he can beat Jalen Hurts. Yeah, don't think he can beat Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott. Both yeah. of them. So the last, the last out. two, yeah, the last two weeks, the NFL Network, the 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 Twitter timeline, like basically everybody's chewing on Dak. Is he an MVP candidate? Yes. Yeah. Purdy, yeah. is he an MVP candidate? Yes. Like the fact that that's happening now, instead of like, oh, we all kind of assumed it was Mahomes and he just lost. Yeah. Uh, let's is Tyreek Hill a candidate? Yeah, you know that he needed that to be happening at the beginning of this month, and it's not. And so yep. I think he's probably done. <laughs> yep. No, I agree. He needed the weaker field, uh, and yeah. uh, Brock Brock will not give it to him, uh, and neither will Dak. All right, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. If you're listening as a podcast, please don't forget to rate and subscribe. And a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music, just head to amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher and Drew Ginsick, we'll see you tomorrow.